Edwards Life Sciences would like to express our gratitude for all those on the front lines of responding to this fluid situation with COVID-19. We appreciate the strong leadership and dedication of healthcare providers to patients around the world, and we express our care and concern for you during this challenging time. You're listening to Rock's Heart Radio. Today, Roxana Mehran talks with Ladin Golistane in the Bronx. It's Roxana Moran from Mount Sinai Hospital, Icon School of Medicine, coming to you on Rock's Heart Radio on the front. I'm um, really, really pleased uh, for this series where we're really diving in deeply about women on the front lines. And I am just so, so pleased and honored to have with me today's guest, Dr. Ladan Golestane. She is a professor of medicine at the um, Albert Einstein uh, School of Medicine and attending nephrologist uh, on the front lines uh, for the last, I think, more than 40 days or even 60 days, I think since the beginning of March, she's been out there from the very, very beginning on the front lines at Montefiore Hospital in the Bronx, where uh, I would call it the epicenter of the epicenter of the epicenter, uh, really the borough mm-hmm. that was extremely hard. Uh, with uh, COVID-19. Welcome, Dr. Golestane. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's an honor and privilege. So um, I know that, uh, how's it been? How are you doing? What is it, what is it like? Tell me your day. Well, it's uh, gotten a lot better in the last week, but it was certainly overwhelming. And uh, a lot of us, uh, including myself, haven't really processed what we've seen or done in the last six weeks. So I think that's coming. Yeah, it was a really difficult time. I know that um, your entire department was very much hands-on. You guys did a lot of things. Tell me a little bit about what you did, what you all did, um, as far as you know. Many of these patients have uh, kidney uh, acute kidney injury, and and um, some require dialysis. And I know that um, the volume of of uh, of the patients were tremendous in the Bronx. Tell us how you guys handled this and what it was like for you, the number of hours uh, that you were working per day, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, so kidney disease is something that's an epidemic uh, in the Bronx uh, during usual times. And with COVID-19, it became even more of an epidemic. And we were really dealing with the shortages, shortages in personnel and equipment. and we were faced very early on with the prospect of not being able to treat people. And I think I speak for my colleagues, the notion of, of having someone, you know, pass away from kidney failure is something that is completely unacceptable to us. So uh, we really struggled to get people the basic treatment they needed uh, early so on. What did, in you the have to do? what did you have to do? In what way was it? What was the struggle? Uh, we didn't have uh, dialysis nurses and we didn't have dialysis uh, machines or equipment to be able to accommodate the surge of patients who needed dialysis. And that had to be a lot of stress. So here you are working 12, 15 hour days coming home. Um, so I know that you also have a family and you also are, I know for a fact that you are also um, as an academician working um, after the work hours, after the clinic 
or seeing the patients on the clinical wards or also working to write your papers and send out your results because you felt responsible. You want to tell me a little bit about what that was like on the academic side, and then we'll go to the house. Yeah, I mean, as you know, you pointed out, it was really overwhelming because here you are with this opportunity to, to be able to share with the world what's happening and maybe give them some of your experience, though a very new experience, and, and hopefully help other centers in the world. But uh, there was just no time, and whatever time after clinical duties was left uh, were taken away from my kids and, and my husband, you know. But uh, we, we tried to rush some of those uh, analyses and, and get some papers out with the help of my wonderful family who understood and was patient with me. Uh, I basically didn't see them uh, for a good four so, or five weeks. So tell us about what, what you had to endure on the family front, on your personal, on the personal side. Well, it was really scary to not, initially it was very scary because you worry about your personal safety and you worry about the safety of your family because what if you get this virus, you get sick and God forbid you then spread it to your immediate family who you have direct contact with. So. There was a lot of changing of clothes in my office. Uh, I have my, um, you know, a mat, an extra mattress and pillow in my trunk in case I need to sleep in my office. It never came to that. But then when you get home, you know, uh, you run into the shower, you try not to touch your family members, which is hard with your children. And you try and stay in your bedroom for the duration of your time at home, which was very lonely. And, and, and you know, the kids were having a hard time understanding that. So who's taking care of the kids um, and who's taking care of the schooling? And, and did you have to also arrange those, uh, those uh, care um, taking? I mean, it sounds like you've, you have a great partner, but I'm sure that this was a um, joint joint planning on how to take care of the family matters. Who is doing most of that? Yeah, I have, I'm very fortunate in life that I'm married to uh, a man who's a helicopter pilot and he was basically, you know, uh, grounded. Grounded, right? He was grounded. He was grounded, correct. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> so, so he's been, he's been really a, a, a life, a life sense, right? Yes, he gives, he is uh, my lifeline and he's very, very good about uh, being patient when I'm busy and he provided oversight for everything with the kids and he just wanted me to do what I needed to do uh, for, for the sake of the patients and I honestly can't thank him enough and it gives me peace of mind to be able to, to work on what I need to work on, uh, which was really crucial during this period. Uh, ah, so, the kids, so. And my kids are older, you know, they're teenagers, so they, they understood uh, what was going on. They understood, more importantly, that it was going to be temporary. Yeah, of course, and, and has to be a lot of, a lot of stress. Um, so what are you doing to, for yourself, for Laden? What's Laden doing for Laden? Well, that's not, um, that's not a very natural thing for me to think about, but uh, as I'm getting older, I'm realizing that that's really essential for yeah, uh, balance. Uh, so this past weekend, I was actually off, and you know, mm -hmm. it was a time to decompress, and I spent the entire time walking around my kids and having conversations, and 
Uh, my son's really into political debates and I was trying to do that, a little bit of that and, and distracting myself. But uh, the most important thing I do for myself is I run regularly and I make sure to get enough sleep. Those are two great things. So if you were to, you know, there are a lot of women on the front lines who probably will be listening to this. Uh, what's your advice as someone who's basically been able to, to, to do this so gracefully, so beautifully and so successfully? Uh, and I'm hoping that, you, you know, obviously there's going to be stresses and uh, even post-traumatic stress that I'm sure that you've had to deal with. I know that you've had to deal with but what word of advice do you have for the women on the front line? Um, thank you for all those compliments, by the way. I, I would say that don't lose sight uh, of your role. Uh, and it's really a calling. And I think that will uh, inspire you and the people around you to be patient during times like this. And don't lose sight of your importance and everything uh, around you, because I think a lot of women do lose sight of that and uh, keep some kind of balance, whether it's regular exercise, whether it's healthy eating, but make sure to not lose that thread uh, uh, of you know, being true to yourself during these times of stress. And the fact that it was temporary was always my saving grace. The fact that this was going to come to a point where I, either I stopped being so intense about it or the surge was going to get you know, uh, better over time is what really helped to get through it. Well, I just wanna tell you, we are just so, we feel so fortunate to have you here. You are a hero uh, by all means, but a, an, an exemplary, um, exemplary physician who's uh, doing it all. Uh, academics, clinics, and as a family. Uh, so you're teaching other women that it's all possible uh, if you just put your um, love into it and that um, it is understood. And hopefully many will listen to this and be, I'm inspired by this, but I know that many will be inspired by listening to this. But also to note that there's, there is help out there, that there are people who are feeling stressed and maybe not being recognized by their colleagues and their, um, their co-workers or their spouses even, or the home activity and feeling guilty about all of that. And all of that kind of keeps you very, very stressed. But on so many levels, uh, you're telling us that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. We're all in this together and we will prevail. And for people like you out there is why we will be successful. Thank you so much, Dr. Golastane, for your time. Thank you for having me. It's been really an honor.